This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. Hi, I'm Jeff Ellingham. I'm an Agile coach. I'm a leadership coach. I'm a psychotherapeutic counselor. I used to be a primary school teacher. I do all kinds of things. And at the moment, I'm just kind of trying to have fun with meeting as many people as I can in lockdown. This series, Agile in Wonderland with Jeff Ellingham, started in episode 118. Go to the show archive to find it. During this series, we've been joined by a bonus guest. Hi, I'm William Rowden. I lead enterprise agile transformations uh, after starting from uh, agile development years ago. And I've had a recent interest in what kinds of understandings of human, the human mind of psychology and of development can uh, help us be more successful in our agile transformations. During this multi-part series, we're going to discuss a paper published by Jeff called Agile in Wonderland, Human-Centric Coaching. There are links to the paper in the show notes. We continue the conversation about Jeff's final article in a series based on his research into the lived experience of Agile coaches. And in this paper, he introduces the Agility Coaching Model. Now, you have a model. Uh, who, who is the target audience for using this? So the target audience is definitely the coach. Okay. Certainly the conversations I've had with people. I, I can't imagine... I'm not imagining at the moment using this with anyone other than an agile coach, simply because in my mind, it's, it's a tool for an agile coach to navigate their, their particular challenges and paradoxes. Uh, yeah, at this point, that's, that's where I'm thinking. I love that. And I'm very curious about your tension around that as a therapist with this idea of sharing whatever model you're using with the client. When I've shared developmental models toward agility with clients, it hasn't always gone well um, no. <laughs> for, the same, for the same reason that you disc- that we've discussed earlier yeah. around sort of like, what box are you putting me in? Why aren't I in the best box? I've adopted a sort of a judicious uh, sharing of the model that we're using, which which creates, I guess, an interesting tension of using a model that you aren't necessarily sharing yeah. with your client. I hadn't uh, seen it from the angle of there being sort of a client relationship aspect to that in terms of its impact. So I, I would be curious for you to say more about the, the Agile community or the coaching community using a model that they don't necessarily teach to the client. Yeah, so I, if I'm going to try and break it into a, a rule of thumb, my rule of thumb would be if I'm using a model explicitly, then I want to be sharing it with my client. If I'm using it implicitly, so I have, I have, I'm carrying a bunch of models. You know, we all carry a bunch of models around in my head, and I'm and I'm constantly kind of pulling them out and testing them against what's going on in the here and now with a client. And that doesn't mean that I have to share all of those. But if I decide for some reason that this model is is something I want to use formally in the way that I'm evaluating or thinking about a client, then unless I have a good therapeutic reason not to share it, then I'm going to share that with my client. 
What's an example of how a coach would use this in order to help them resolve a, a problem? I think that uh, I th- I think to resolve maybe problems at the right frame, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm 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 thinking more about um, things like identifying the learning edge for an individual and for a team. I'm thinking about using a, a stage developmental lens to think about conflicts and frictions amongst people in a team. So I, I really think about this as a as a lens to use when when one's looking at the. At the, at the team and the team's challenges as a way of thinking about is there, some, is there some stuff going on here that's not immediately apparent to me that if I use this lens starts to tease out some, some additional information for me to use. So I'm not really thinking about it as a problem-solving model. It's more, a, it's more a lens that allows me to, to, just get, to, to, to look at the information I'm gathering in a slightly different way to maybe help me to identify what comes next yeah, I think that would be my starting point. I'd be curious about about your thoughts. Well, I think you've already mentioned another application of the model just by mapping it to the Agile Competency Framework because there is in the sort of amber world this assumption that all knowledge is known and the role of the instructor is the source of knowledge. And so you might then in that world, in order to make sense to that perspective, be in more of a training and mentorship role than you might be in a green world, which is, or an orange world, let's say, which is less concerned with uh, precise knowledge and more concerned with like, let's produce some outcomes, let's do some practice. I want to learn some feet from some feedback. Let me get my hand sturdy. And so in that sort of setting, you might uh, take an approach that has more activity and more involvement. And in a a green environment, you might be thinking about um, what you know, each voice can contribute to the conversation. Whereas in an amber environment, if you start talking about, um, you know, the, the the minority voices that aren't being heard in our current team dynamic, they might they might not co- yet comprehend what you're talking about. So I see that uh, lens even in which tool you recommend using in each environment in terms of the training, mentoring versus coaching and facilitating. Yeah. I guess yeah, broadly, and it, what what's my intervention, whatever 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 it is we're doing, yeah. What's the symptom that happens when you're using the wrong model mentally, whatever that model is, or uh, the conversation uh, isn't going well? What what is this the symptom where one should say, oh? The sense if we're using the wrong model. Yeah. So, I mean, you're you're attempting you're you're bringing this new tool, and mm-hmm. you were saying, hey, people, there's this new tool to check it out. And I'm 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 now thinking about, okay, how do I know I need a new tool <laughs> if I'm the coach? That's a really good question. I think um, I would start with I would start with some of those questions around the paradoxes and around examining examining one's own experience. So yeah, so I th- so I think that if if the if the expert paradox, for example, resonates for a coach, and you and there's a and there's a sense that there's a some kind of scratchiness around my sense of expert, then that's an indication for me that the the models we currently have, which simply say you step from here to here, aren't aren't giving enough 
depth or aren't giving a there's a there's a there's a dimension that's missing so i think it's um i'm i'm uh, again i'm i'm wary about picking a simple symptom and i'm it's it's more about spend some time with this model and with your own your own self-awareness of what it's like to do your job and ask yourself if this gives you something extra and if it doesn't then that's fine yeah um but i'm I, i'm finding it yeah i'm i, I i'm trying to help you sell it of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Well, it's, well, well, it's 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 already it's already badged with Creative Commons, so there's nothing to sell anyway. <laughs> well, so, that, well, I don't mean literally, but anyway. So. <laughs> uh, no, but it, it is one. It's one of these things, and I, it, it's one of these things where there's a. At this point, what I want to know is whether people genuinely find it worth engaging in. I'm really not interested in just, um, you know, firing this out and and and. and Trying to try to encourage as many people as possible to use it. I need to know first of all whether it's useful. So at this point, it's less about trying to yeah, it's less about trying to sell the model and more about trying to get people genuinely to engage with it and go, oh okay yeah, I can see how this is useful. Now let me go and play with it, and then we'll see what happens. I'm going to help you out here a little bit, Jeff. So <laughs> when I'm using the wrong model or when I see other people use the wrong model, it comes out in their conversation or interaction with whoever they're working with. Is it the client, stakeholders, or the team? And, and what starts happening is frustrations building on that other party because there's something that's not connecting right. And the conversation either isn't, they're not under, not following the conversation or they don't understand like they want closer, near term. Uh, they don't want far future. They want near more near term. And that conversation is, is frustrating them because they can't imagine how they can, they can't connect with what the person's saying. There's probably some other examples too, but, but it's, to me, I see it come out when the conversation of the coach or whoever it is is trying to connect with this other individual and it's the wrong like channel. They're not connecting on the right wavelength and, and, and the coach isn't understanding it. And maybe the coach even senses something's wrong, but they don't know quite, they have, don't have the tools and the models to understand, number one, uh, uh, what, okay, they know there's a problem, but they don't know how to change their, their approach or their angle because they don't have they don't have a good enough understanding with what's going on in the uh, receiver's model. You know, what is going on in their brain that, that, that they don't understand what's going on in the other person's brain well enough to connect. Yeah, and, and I would say that's a, that's a suggestion that, that an understanding of, of stage developmental kind of theory to some extent in some way is going to be useful. It doesn't have to be this model, though. I mean, right, in, in right, that particular right. circumstance, understanding Joyner's, three, Joyner's model is is it's probably going to be enough. What I'm trying to do here is really get into the specifics of, for an agile coach, why is, what, what else is different or what else is going on? And I think as I've done more work with like Caitlin Walker, systemic modeling, I don't know if you've come across her work. So I've started to see through, through that work, ways of, of, of getting teams to access what look like different levels just through through using metaphor in a really structured, clean way. So I, I remain agnostic about whether, whether developmental stages are, quote, real. I find them useful, but I'm, you know, I'm, really, I'm really interested in continuing to find ways that we can get people thinking in more, thinking in, in, in ways that are more curious and less contemptuous through other means. So I don't in any way think this is the, this is the only way. 
By the way, Jeff, you and I, we're, we're approaching this whole conversation over different models. Like I'm trying to like get out this uh, kind of, this I might know. be the achiever side. And you're like, well, I was just using it to explore a question. And so you can see just between the two of us, if I wasn't aware of it, if we weren't self-aware enough of each other, we might have like, we might be buddy heads, but not even know why. So. Yeah, <laughs> More generally, what I appreciate here is that you're bringing research into practice, right? So you're saying, what can we do? What can we do with there's some research in this area? There's some models out here. How can we just apply this in our work? The agile community has been, uh, <laughs> I, I think, a little bit of a maverick in this area. Oh, yeah. Like, like we've invented something new and it's cool and we don't need your stuff. And so I appreciate the in in recent years in the agile community this uh, bringing in of, of models that will help us from other sources, the concurrent development. And even in your case, sort of the academic models, uh, I admire the going th- going through a master's and doing some research and doing some actual you know investigation into this and then saying uh, I've done this, I want to bring this to the community. What can we do with that? Because some of the early work was um, sort of disconnected from the academic community, and yeah. to the extent that it's useful, to the extent that exactly as you said, we can take this model and put and put it into our practice, then it can really enhance what we're doing as an agile community. So uh, I admire what you're doing in that. Thank you, and I th- and I and I think you're absolutely right about the the tendency in our community to just kind of go, this is really cool, and I've, and you know you can you see it happening in a in a conference room, some some great thing is put up on some slides, and everybody goes off and says, I'm going to use this with my team tomorrow. Well, fine, and there is a real challenge with the pace at which we're trying to evolve the work that we do and the, t- and the time it takes for academic theoretical work to get work through. There is a real challenge for the academic community in the current world in how they can accelerate, iterate academic research so that it doesn't take you know, three years to get from starting a piece of research work to coming out with some conclusions and yet maintain some kind of academic robustness. So I think there's some challenges on both sides there. And uh, certainly there are, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased that there are, there's organizations like the Agile Research Network and there are some there are some groups that are specifically doing Agile. I know, I know Evan Laybourne is trying to do more research work, but a lot of that isn't academic. It's more kind of case study type stuff, which which, somewhat, which kind of sits in the middle. So yeah, I'm certainly really keen to, to, to wave a flag for, for proper research. <laughs> really like is for people to, to take this model away and spend some time playing with it, whether that's internally inside your own head or, or looking at how we might apply it with clients and come back to me and talk to me about how we can collaborate on turning it into something useful. Agile Grande teaches you systems thinking through dramatic storytelling, such as Carter takes a job to improve a logistics company's adaptability, but efforts to scale agile practices are being blocked by Mr. Cherneski, a vice president who's organized the company into siloed pigeonholes in order to secretly make millions with a dark web shipping service. Carter's life is in danger, he goes underground, and a spy agency hunts for him. When Carter uses systems thinking, systems modeling, 
an organizational change to save his company and his life, you get to learn how to apply that to your organization as well. Get your free copy of Agile Grande at leanpub.com. This is the last episode of the Agile Wonderland series with Jeff Ellingham and bonus guest William Rowden. To find episode 118 and the others, go to the show archive, which you can find with your favorite search engine. Type in Lancer, Agile Thoughts, Agile in Wonderland. We've got those goodies in the show notes, so if you have a podcast player, it'll suck them right up. But if you don't have a podcast player, you can go back to the site where you downloaded this podcast, and that website will have the show notes as well. 